Welcome everyone to The Nevers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of the upcoming HBO series, The Nevers, an original sci-fi drama epic from writer, producer, director, slash everything, Joss Whedon. <laughs> We're your one-stop shop for all the latest news on The Nevers. You'll also catch us speculating and discussing everything leading up to and throughout the airing of The Nevers. If you'd like to follow us online, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All it is is at HBO The Nevers. You can also visit our brand new website, hbothenevers.com, and stream our brand new podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Gina, and on today's show, we'll be discussing another confirmed production crew member for The Nevers, as well as disassembling social media posts by some of the staff writers, which I'm really excited about, and we'll also share our hopes versus expectations for the show before diving into our weekly mailbag to answer your submitted letters. But before we do all of that, I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, my usual co-host, Tag couldn't join me today as he's currently on holidays, which hopefully is a lot of fun for him. So, however, we have two new additions to the Nevers podcast, which is really awesome, and it's obviously their first episode, and I'm really excited. So feel free to quickly introduce yourselves, Kelly and Dennis, to say hi. Hey, hey, this is Dennis. Hey, it's Kelly. Nice to meet everyone. Yay, I love hearing their voices. Now you guys will <laughs> now you guys will know how <laughs> here we are. Now you'll know how they sound like. Okay, so Tag and I have done a few episodes of this podcast and I'm sure we'll get back into it. But Dennis and Kelly, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, when and how were you introduced to Joss's work? And what are your some of your favorite works of his, which I know is a very crazy topic that could last like five hours, but <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it short, yeah. Uh, Kelly, do you want to go first? Sure. So I became a fan of Joss Whedon when Welcome to the Howmouth premiered on the WB in 1997. So <laughs> he has been in my life for over 20 years. Let's see, I'm also situated in Toronto, Ontario, so everybody knows. And so I became a huge fan of Buffy. And then from then on, of course, like I think so many people, if you became a fan of Joss Whedon in the 90s, watched every single thing that that man has ever done. And that's essentially what I've done. And he has never led me astray. I have adored everything he has done, all of it. And my favorite work of his is Buffy the Vampire Slayer for many, many reasons. But I also absolutely adore Dollhouse. And this is definitely maybe a controversial thing to say, but I was more upset about the canceling of Dollhouse over Firefly. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I adore Firefly, but there was definitely something dark and mysterious and absolutely fascinating and bigger than anything that he could have done, in, and that was Dollhouse. So that's where I am today, and I pretty much... In, devour anything horror related so doing anything Joss Whedon related my two favorite things are horror and Joss Whedon is really really exciting to me so I'm looking forward to all of this yay thank you so much Kelly a really quick thing about me I have not finished Dollhouse which is the worst thing of life oh man <laughs> I know I know and that's a whole other long story but I also love Dollhouse as well obviously Buffy's my favorite but Dollhouse is great but thank you for that <laughs> no problem Cool. Uh, it sounds like Kelly and I became fans of Joss Whedon on the exact same night. Because <laughs> I, I also watched Welcome to the Hellmouth when it premiered. I was a freshman in high school at the time, and I was really into Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I thought, based on the movie, oh, this show will be dumb and I can make fun of it. Nice. <laughs> and just even from that opening, I was like, blown away. And I like, I had to convince my brother to watch it with me because, you know, we had to share the TV. I remember just like turning to him and being like, whoa, you know, expectations blown. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been a I think for the first year and a half, I watched it in secret, not telling my friends because it was like an embarrassing show title and everything. And then it turned out a lot of my friends were watching it also. And right now I'm doing the uh, another podcast, Buffy Virgin, with my one friend who's never seen it and the rest of us who have. Uh, and we're in the middle of like season five right now by the time I'm recording this. Nice. So, yeah. 
I'm uh, very much into Buffy still. So that's probably my favorite of his works. I don't know. Does uh, Cabin in the Woods count as a Joss Whedon thing? A hundred percent. Yes. Four thousand percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Then that's then that's my second for him. That's, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm a horror cartoonist and I yeah work uh, for Peanuts as my day job. And I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward to the Nevers. Oh, you guys are so cool. <laughs> And, and I love your both of your horror ties, so I'm sure you guys will both bring a lot of that into this podcast, which is awesome. <laughs> and maybe become best friends. Dennis, what's Yay. going on? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, so much for that. Again, very excited to have you here. All right. So we have a new segment to this podcast and it's titled the news roundup where we run through any bits of news that may have broken since our last episode, but isn't big enough to devote an entire segment to or an entire episode, but we still feel it's worth mentioning. So without further ado, this is our first news roundup, which is really exciting because on July 4th, 2019, that was the first day of principal photography on the Nevers, which is so exciting because when do you think they're going to start principal photography? Like, that was like the question. And, <laughs> and there's like rumors and articles like, oh, it's going to start in June. I think at some point, maybe they, people thought it was going to start even earlier, but there's still like no official news. However, on July 4th, Joss tweeted, letting us know that filming had begun on his new sci-fi series. And it's his first series in over a decade. So filming is currently taking place in Dublin, Ireland, before moving to London, which is super exciting. That is exciting. I assume that means that more than one person has been cast then, because it'd be a very lonely set. <laughs> one woman show. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. When do you guys think they'll announce the rest of the cast? I don't know. I mean, I got a guess, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, they've they've only announced one and they're starting filming now, so it has to be any time now. It's so mysterious, all of this. It <laughs> is, yeah. Which I guess is really cool, like definitely building up the hype and anticipation for it, you know? Yeah, definitely. But obviously all of us have waited so long for a new Joss Whedon television show that it's like, cool, like, be mysterious, but at the same time, we're all dying. <laughs> yeah, suspense killing us right now. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, Production Weekly reported that filming for The Nevers would commence in June. But BECTU, the Media and Entertainment Union, is now reporting that principal production has been pushed to July, obviously, since it started July 4th, and will now wrap in March 2020. So much time to wait. Yeah. <laughs> so much time to wait, A, but B, man, that's like a long shoot, which makes sense, but that's really cool. It almost feels like a film. Yeah, that's like some Game of Thrones level production going on. Right. And actually, what are your guys' thoughts on Game of Thrones since The Nevers is an HBO series and Game of Thrones is, you know, their last biggest thing? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a big subject. I know, I know. I guess to me, it's like Game of Thrones is something I couldn't not watch if I wanted to interact with anybody in the world. True. You know, especially when it, when it was on, it was such a big like, like, this is what we're going to talk about on Monday, which is really interesting for like a fantasy show. Like, I think it's because I'm just such a like kid of the 80s and 90s when like nobody was talking about this kind of stuff, you know. So for this to be something you can talk about with everybody is still like crazy to me. Yeah, that's true. There's pretty much any person like people's moms and anyone is watching, you know, shows like Game of Thrones, whereas you're right. I think in the 80s, 90s, you had it was a bit more niche. So you had very particular types of people watching those types of shows. So you're right. It's something that everybody is talking about. Except for me, because I have never watched Game of Thrones. So I don't have really much comment on that. Whoa, bold. <laughs> Man, we agree on a lot of the same stuff because I, <laughs> we're not going to get into this because that's a whole other podcast topic. But I watched the first two and a half seasons of Game of Thrones and personally just didn't like it. However, I realized how incredible the acting and the production value and all of that is i just personally didn't like it if that makes sense oh, it makes oh sure complete yeah. sense. i mean you can't you can dislike something but appreciate it for what it is exactly yeah so 
So it's tough because for me, when you're like, oh, I've never seen Game of Thrones, I'm like, that is perfectly okay. <laughs> but I know the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't feel that way. <laughs> I know. But I know HBO puts out incredibly high quality content. Like right, I watched right. The Sopranos, let's say, you know, not within the horror fantasy anything element, but I adored that show. So I just, I know of the types of shows that they put out. So the fact that Joss Whedon is getting a show in such high caliber networking you know, series, it's, uh, I'm so blown away. So I'm super curious and really excited and super happy for him to have landed this gig. Yeah. Did you guys watch, this is a different topic kind of, but did you watch Sharp Objects? No, I want to. Because that's a Marty Noxon show. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Also, another HBO show by, uh, uh, you know, former Weed Knight, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. Man, uh, nice. No, I've never even heard of it. So that's great. <laughs> now I'm going to have to watch all this stuff. <laughs> No, that's really cool. And and you say that, like, even if you didn't watch Game of Thrones or love it or don't like it, you can we can all agree that the HBO as a network is a huge network for television shows. And it is really exciting that Joss gets to be a part of that. And again, we could talk about that for five hours. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to our first official topic after the news roundup. And it is confirmed production crew members. So we actually have a few new confirmed production crew members. The first one is set decorator Tina Jones. She's joined the crew. If you're unfamiliar with her, she has worked on Spider-Man Far From Home, which I still haven't seen. And I want to go leap up from my chair after recording this and I want to go watch it. Um, she's also worked on Aladdin, Game of Thrones, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Assassin's Creed, all this crazy stuff. King Arthur. Cool. Yeah. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah. I really loved the sets in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom and Game of Thrones has amazing sets. So I think this sounds cool. There's, um, did you guys see Fallen Kingdom? Ooh, no. Like a dino lair? <laughs> it's got a really dope, like, giant lair thing going on. Because um, they move they move off the island towards, like, this crazy rich guy's super mansion in Northern California. You know how there's, like, all these ancient castles in Northern California that have, like, giant uh, underground lairs for holding dinosaurs and also museums in them? So that's that set was awesome. So that sounds really cool. Ooh, good to know. Um, did you guys see Aladdin? I didn't know. No. I'm one of the, it's weird. It's gotten such great box office numbers, but I'm one of the only people that I know that have seen it. But yeah, the, the, <laughs> the set for Aladdin is like unbelievable. The amount of detail and the way it looks is just, obviously adapting anything mm -hmm. is difficult, but they really made the animated film come to life. So it's, great That's yeah great. Uh, clearly uh we're already a fan of her work and i've said this before and i'll always say it again mm -hmm. any women that we could get to work on this show the more the better exactly not just this show but in general <laughs> so it's super cool that a woman is the set decorator yeah like i mean i haven't watched any of these things that she's involved with but you know i've seen photos and i can tell that you know, there's they're incredibly elaborate, you know, so much attention to detail. And Assassin's Creed, though, I've played some of the games. I didn't watch the live action movie on it. I mean, I'm sure it looked beautiful. So I think even though I haven't watched these things, I think, you know, the show's in good hands. Yeah, totally. Cannot agree more. And again, super exciting that we're having such high quality individuals work on this show. Tegan and I have said in the past that it really feels like like Game of Thrones in the sense of they're really taking this seriously as if it's a feature film and not just a television show, mm -hmm. which a lot of television, modern television does feel like that. But still, everyone's credits is mostly film and big epic films. And that's that's really exciting and really telling, in my opinion. So the next person we have that is confirmed is David Pierce. He's been hired as a props painter. He's worked on Amazon's Jack Ryan series, Peter Rabbit 2, which I'm weirdly way too excited about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, done, <laughs> he's done episodes of Black Mirror, and he's also done Kingsman, The Secret Service. So again, obviously, uh, he. it seems like David Pierce has done TV as well, but also big budget films. So, super cool. 
And what I love about Joss Whedon's works is I feel like a lot of Whedon fans, we, we get obsessed with not just him, but like the writers and the crew and whoever does the score, like the Whedonverse is such a big family and we're just such big fans of everyone involved. So it's going to be cool to really get to know the works of other people that we might really get into, you know? Completely, completely. So it becomes a bit of a Joss Whedon family. And if you be come involved in any of his work. I mean, I think a lot of people go on to do wonderful, great things. So it's a good opportunity for everyone. Exactly. Can you guys imagine like being asked to be a part of the Nevers? Um, if I can wear a Victorian kind of ball gown, then I will <laughs> dick gladly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> cool. And then our last confirmed production crew member another movie veteran and her name is Jane Petrie and she's been hired as costume designer for the series. Her credits include Outlaw King, Suffragette, War Machine, 28 Weeks Later, and season two of Netflix, The Crown. And what are your thoughts on her? And have you guys seen any of these? I've only seen 28 Weeks Later. It's one of my favorite horror movie sequels. I don't recall necessarily great costume design in it, but... And I haven't seen the other things, but I am a huge fan of costume design. So I'm kind of just excited to, to see what, what kind of work she does, really, on this show anyways. Yeah, I've seen Outlaw King. I thought it was good. So, I mean, that's a lot of period outfits because it's uh, Scottish history. Oh, that's on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's got, um, what's his name? One of the Chris's. In it. Chris Pine, I think? Yeah, Pine. Right, right. Okay, yes. I Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I recognize that. Great. Sounds interesting. Uh, do you know, I didn't look this up. Is Jane Petrie any relation to Doug Petrie? I know, right? <laughs> that was the first thing that came up in my head. Like, I would not be surprised. She's also, she also did the costume design. Let me see here. Because I'm on her IMDb page. Have you guys seen Moon with Sam Rockwell? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's also done that. I love that film. Me too. But I also have seen Suffragette, and I love the costumes in that. It obviously takes place in 1912 London. So honestly, I feel like if you're a good costume designer, even if you haven't done period stuff, like you'll be able to figure it out. But clearly she has. So that's always a great sign, you know? Yep, yeah. exactly. I wonder if Moon is a clue that there'll be spacemen in this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, anything could happen in this show. Since it's yeah. science fiction, you know? I literally know nothing. Anything could happen. It's true. <laughs> awesome. Any more thoughts on any of the confirmed production crew members? Again, I, I feel like they're really trying to get people that have worked on a lot of films, which is great and super exciting. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I'd say, like, one thing we're going to have to watch for is, like, who's photographing this because you know all the best sets and and props and stuff don't matter if like it's shot poorly but definitely uh, yeah our cinematographer and everything yep i cannot agree more i don't know why i'm blanking out on the cinematographer so i'm gonna quickly research this however luckily what i do know is it is the same cinematographer as the avengers uh. oh Oh, yeah. Seamus McGarvey. How could I forget his name? Seamus McGarvey. So clearly him and Joss Whedon have worked together before. So that is I when when Seamus McGarvey was announced, I feel like besides the amazing writer's room, which we'll actually get to in a second, which is our second topic, I screamed out loud because I love the way the first Avengers is shot. So I, I don't know if I could get more hyped for this show. Like, I feel like it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. I can tell. <laughs> okay, which brings us to topic number two, disassembling some of the writer's room's different social media posts. So over the course of four months, two of the Never staff writers, God, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Madhuri Shakar and Lori Penny, took to Twitter and Instagram to express their excitement for the series and to prepare fans for what's to come. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I got pretty excited reading what they had to say, and their excitement and enthusiasm for the show is so infectious and genuine. And I'm actually uh, Twitter buddies with Lori Penny. We've tweeted each other a few times. I don't know why she follows me. She's way too cool to follow me, but... <laughs> <laughs> so... 
yeah, let's let's revisit their social media posts. These are from around November, and let's share our thoughts about what they had to say. So back in November, Lori Penny tweeted this, and do any one of you want to read her different posts? I can do that. I'll just go left to right here with the images I have. She said, the reason I'm not tweeting or posting new articles a lot right now is that I'm working in the writer's room on a super amazing, awesome TV show and finishing a book in the evenings. I can't wait to finally be able to tell you guys about it. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's going to be epic. (laughs) And another tweet said, I still can't say anything, but the show I'm working on but I want to make one thing clear. All you cosplayers out there are going to lose your fucking minds. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then in February, she tweeted, oh, geez, I never know what TLDR means. I don't know either. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I should know it, but I also don't know. Oh, geez, it's terrible. I'm not super hip on social media. Tone loke doctor. No, sorry. I was just being an idiot. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I think it means used as a dismissive response to a lengthy online post. Too long something. Anyway, <laughs> so she said, finally allowed to say that the show I'm working on is The Nevers for HBO, and it's not out until next year, and I already can't wait for you lot to see it. Holy shit, it's going to be so epic. Hey, cosplayers, you're welcome. Hey, fandom, you're welcome. Hold on to your bustles. I'm yes. talking about bustles, really, from all of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's see. Uh, and there was that. And then, sorry, there was one more. And she said, unfortunately, I may have had an atypical entry to into the screenwriting world. I now expect all writers' rooms to be diverse, exciting, majority female spaces where we all share snacks and respect each other. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty different from what I've heard of writer's rooms. Oh, that's... oh. Yeah, it's not going to be full of a bunch of old white dudes, so that's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like, luckily, I feel like Joss Whedon has always had women in his writer's rooms, but it's Completely. also exciting that this one seems a little more diverse. Yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. And, and I don't know the names of some of the other writers, but I do know there's definitely Asian writers, there's a black woman playwright and I don't know their names at the top of my head, but even just knowing that it's like, Oh my God. Amazing. Completely. And it's, yeah, like you said, Joss has always been fantastic about involving women in his work and all aspects of the work. So not that that's any of this is really all that surprising to me, but you're right. The, the absolute diversity we're seeing as a, you know, compared to, you know, in the nineties and, that probably wasn't um, as much of as a, you know, something that's on everybody's minds at the time. But I mean, that's pretty fantastic. And I already could tell that the costume type in this show, oh yeah, cosplayers going to be into it. We're going to have our steampunk folks all into it. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> this is probably going to be his best show with regards to costumes you know, compared to, I guess the last time would have been Firefly. And those were kind of like subdued. This is going to be like fancy Firefly. <laughs> fancy Firefly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's such a great way to put it. Any other reactions about her tweets before we move on? I'm just, I actually love the fact that there's some writers in the writer's room that aren't typically screenwriters. I think that really opens up how they're going to think about storytelling Especially in 2019, I feel like every story has been told, right? So you have to find new inventive ways. And in my opinion, that's the best thing about Buffy. Like, it almost invented all the amazing ways to write episodes of TV. But I think having other writers that aren't usually just screenwriters will help with that. Yeah, it is interesting. I looked up Lori's, um, Lori Penny's info and like being, it seems like she's written a lot of journalism and like uh, uh, nonfiction books. So that's just um, a different point of view to bring into the writer's room to have an experienced journalist and uh, like cultural writer than, uh, than what we usually see. So it should be interesting. Yeah, I love that. I, I definitely think we should clearly she does research very well. And clearly she's a feminist. So it, it's cool to have, I don't know, someone that's 
modern and really up on it and where feminism is now to be in this room, which is great. And now we have some social media posts from, again, I'm so sorry, I will pronounce this name correctly one day, Madhuri Shakar. And Dennis, would you like to read these? All right, sure. All right. Oh, damn. Miss all the beautiful people in this photo and the gorgeous, funny, sexy Victorian characters that emerge from Joss's brilliant brain. The Nevers is going to be bonkers and incredible. <laughs> and it's retweeting a, a Joss tweet that looks like it has the only person I recognize is Jane Espenson. So that's cool. Yes. And I, I, I remember that tweet that Joss did. I believe Douglas Petrie is also in it, which nice, is nice. awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, Sarah, I haven't read this one yet, so I'm going to be stumbling a little. Um, since Joss tweeted about us this week, this seems like the right time to talk about one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Last fall, I got my first TV writing job, and of all things, it was writing for The Nevers, the sci-fi Victorian epic created by Joss Whedon, coming to HBO in the near future. I got to work with my creative heroes, Joss and Jane Espenson, and beautiful, diverse writer's room, where I was one of three brown women, and where going to work every day was a joy and an adventure in the best way. I got to write two episodes, and one of them with the amazing, wonderful, genius person and dear friend, Lori Penny. We wrapped the room for season one two months ago, and still, and I still miss it. And I am so excited to see the show with everyone else when it comes out. It's going to be everything I love. Victorian aesthetic, women fighters, sci-fi magic, charismatic villains, daring heroes, delicious couples to ship. And I still can't believe I got to be part of it. Hashtag the nevers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, that's everything I love, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is, like, unreal. Like, everything she listed, I... So, in a previous episode, Take and I briefly mentioned how we think the villains are going to be. And in my opinion, I think Joss Whedon comes up with the best villains and writes the best villains. Like, Loki in the first Avengers film is so much more complex than, in my opinion, what any other writer would have given him. Like, the fact that Loki felt propelled to try to take over Earth because if he didn't, Thanos would kill him. Like, even just having a motivation like that, like, Joss really thinks about his villains and wants to give them motivations. But my favorite thing Joss does with his villains is that they usually have fun. And I think I think that's what a lot of writers miss about villains. They don't have them have fun, so then we can't really grapple on to what to them at all. So the fact that Madhuri said charismatic villains, I am like dying with happiness right now (laughs) oh my god yeah joss is great about having everybody be very thought out well written and well versed characters whether you're good or bad or in between and a lot of those end up being in between (laughs) yes but yeah no he does a fantastic job with everyone yeah i actually uh maybe it's for hopes and expectations but i created like um a little bit of lists of hopes for villains that I was going to share for that, but it's just entirely based on my random guesses and not based on any tweets. Cause yeah, I'm always aiming towards the villains. Oh, please. I'd love to hear this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could, t- I could talk about it now. I just was, um, cause it's Victorian. Yes. And I was like, you know, that's such a era for like the wellspring of monsters, you know, but so many of the, like, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula, we know and stuff. So I was thinking about penny dreadful characters and like weird urban legends of the time. So, you know, do you guys know spring Jack? No. Vaguely. He was like this weird urban legend that turned into a Penny Dreadful. He was like a devil-like character that would pop up and scare people and could jump up to 10 feet, which is the name. But kind of got dressed in like a proto-Batman outfit, but had glowing eyes and could breathe blue fire. So I think that would be a really interesting set up for a villain that they could take off of and obviously is in the public domain. Another would be Varney the Vampire, which was another Penny Dreadful vampire, a really early vampire story. And it's one of the first to mention fangs or sharpened teeth, but it's kind of like it's an aristocratic vampire who's stalking a particular family. So it seems very like um, Dark Shadows, but I just love the name Varney the Vampire, a.k.a. the Beast of Blood. So... I don't know. Those are just things. I'm, I'm loving both of those, like, a little too much. Like, just because, like, I love how things could be a springboard, right? So that first one you said, like, if that creature could jump 10 feet, what can they do with that? Yeah. How can they make that? And you know they could. Super creative and, like, different. And how could they infuse that into the plot? So that's that's so cool. Like, 
Yeah, just for, just for us. Come on. And I do really hope they have at least one vampire just just for fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just for us, just for the fans. Like you would think a sci-fi Victorian show would have one. For sure. You know, I you know, thinking about it, you know, Firefly was strictly it was kind of his little bit of a sci-fi, you know, action western type deal, but there was a light, very, very light horror element to it with the Reavers. Yeah. You know, it was just like that undercurrent. They're kind of like those big, bad, scary type creatures, whereas the rest of it was all human related drama. You know, so it's, I'm always hoping there's going to, because as a horror fan, I'm always hoping there's going to be a little bit of horror elements to things. But Dollhouse didn't, it was all human, human monsters, which I also enjoy. But I think Joss Whedon does a really great job with doing sci-fi and human drama. So if there's no horror, I would be fine with that. But I do like the idea of, if it's set in Victorian times, having, like Dennis was saying, some type of play on some little horror or literary kind of references from that time. But really, I got that from Penny Dreadful, the show that I absolutely love. And it's been, that was a show that I love. Since Joss Whedon hasn't had a TV show, I haven't loved anything as much on TV, except for Penny Dreadful. And they brought in all those Victorian England era monsters, like the Frankenstein. We have Dorian Gray. We have different, we have vampires and stuff like that. So that kind of was my... It scratched an itch. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for, for that type of Victorian horror gothic element. So I think if they stuck with keeping it in the sci-fi realm with maybe like a hint of a little bit of monsters, but mainly human monsters, but the villains are super interesting, then I would also be fine with that. Both. Both is good. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's just all good. (laughs) Thank you. That was all. Everything you guys said was great. I completely agree. Um, One last thing I want to say about Matt Hurie Shikar's Instagram post about that long list of amazing stuff that we're all excited about. Shipping in fandom. I have a very love-hate relationship with shipping. I don't even know what that means. Please enlighten me. Oh, I will. I will. So, and even me, I don't even think I have an appropriate description of it. However, so shipping, so... Shipping two characters, in my opinion, means you really love their relationship and dynamic. That's what I think it means. The rest of the world thinks it means you want two characters to end up together. So shipping is basically like, I love this person. So I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. I'm a huge Buffy and Angel girl. Sorry if anyone else isn't. (laughs) I definitely am too. (laughs) Okay, amazing. My twin sister is a big Buffy and Spike girl. That's the only thing we fight about ever. (laughs) Ever. Um, But but hey, no, I can still appreciate some Buffy and Spike stuff. But anyway, so I ship Buffy and Angel. That's what I would describe that as. Hmm. So with shipping, though, I think, especially nowadays in fandom... I personally think fandom focuses a little bit too much on shipping where it becomes that's almost the entire thing that the fandom just focuses on instead of like, oh, man, this episode had amazing writing. Oh, man, the cinematography in this episode. Instead, it's like, oh, I I love that this person talked to this person and that's it. So that's my hate side of shipping and fandom is like i get it like i will die for ships however like please that's not the only thing you know (laughs) story takes a backstage to smooching (laughs) yeah story over smooches (laughs) well i would say i even if i love a couple let's say angel and buffy but i want a much more complex relationship and characters and as individuals, which I think Joss Whedon is good at, is even if there are relationships, romantic or not, everybody is still their individual person. They have their agency, they have their autonomy, and like they are their own people. And, you know, yes, now that I know about this shipdom, I'm going to call it that, I guess, right now. <laughs> yes. I think that's incredibly superficial because there's so much more to these characters than the romantic interests. So, yeah, yes, you're I, like, that yeah. That ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these ship puns. This is great. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so glad you guys agree. There are some podcasts for other fandoms that I will not name because that's a whole other topic that literally the podcast only focuses on they act like it's a podcast about this specific fandom, but they only talk about this one ship and it drives me 
absolutely insane. So I'm glad you guys agree that, yes, you can be obsessed with two characters' relationships, but A, that's not the point of their characters. B, that's not the point of a specific show. So we are definitely, I have a feeling when The Nevers comes out, we will all respectfully talk about ships and it won't be the entire episode. So (laughs) yeah, it definitely won't be. Yeah, hopefully. I'm getting into, there's a weird thing kind of happening on my, on the Buffy Virgin podcast where I think we're just, I think what we as the, as the reviewers are doing is like critically analyzing Spike and like, I mean, he, we're in season five and we're like, he's still a villain. He, what he's doing with his obsession with Buffy at this point is creepy. And we're trying to say that. And the reactions from our listeners have been like surprisingly angry, Yes, but also yes. then we're like, well, maybe we should feed this anger. Cause it's obviously, <laughs> obviously creating smart, smart. Uh, drama, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting cause it's such strong, passionate reactions from like fans of the show. And I mean, I got to respect that passion, even if I don't like, even if I feel like it's getting in the way of analysis. No, that's so fascinating that you say that. And I promise listeners, we won't go on a huge tangent uh, (laughs) (laughs) about this. But um, so my sister and one of my best friends, Eve, we just, so Eve had never seen Buffy and Angel. We just finished Buffy and Angel. And she had the same reaction, like around season five, she really, and she was a huge Buffy and Angel girl. She really started liking Spike and Buffy's like dynamic. And she was so fascinated and loved the way that Spike was obsessed with Buffy, where I'm on the opposite side of it. I don't like it. But anytime we try to talk about it, my sister and Eve would get very defensive, but they're so intelligent, obviously, and they have those opinions. Um, So I, I really think, and I think this is the best part about Joss Whedon's storytelling, everything hits people differently, right? So something about Spike's obsession with Buffy, they absolutely love. And they feel it in their souls. And for me, I feel nothing. And that's actually great. I think the best type of art people react to completely differently. So it it makes sense to me that you're getting that passionate feedback because that's how I feel like in real life uh, (laughs) (laughs) with my sister and my friend Eve. And I'm by myself, though, so I kind of have to stick it to them. But at the same time, it is really fascinating to hear their perspective and that, that shows me that it's just great art, that you can really dive into it and analyze it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's my season five talk. <laughs> I'm, sure we'll have, I'm sure we'll have podcast episodes about Buffy in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> it completely is hard not to. <laughs> very, very true. At least once every episode. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to our last and final and third topic, hopes versus expectations for the Nevers. When we all heard that Joss Whedon was returning to television with a sci-fi Victorian epic, you probably did what I did and immediately started envisioning the entire world of the Nevers. The stories, the characters, the powers the characters might possess, and maybe even weapons that they'll yield. So I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss what our hopes for the Nevers are in terms of the stories being told, themes, characters, scope, and what we all hope to get out of it emotionally, and compare that to what we think the show will actually deliver. Ooh, so who would like to go first? This is a very fascinating topic, actually. <laughs> so, okay, I guess first hopes. What, would, what do you guys hope that never has in terms of story. I just want to shout out that this is a really good topic. And the way it was, the way it was framed is like really smart to be like, one thing that's interesting to me is like how much too much expectation and too much specific expectation can ruin an experience. Right. Totally. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Uh, well then you should have written it, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think the, just setting it as hopes versus expectations and, um, that we, you know, obviously we were already, I'm already like, Oh, I hope it has these really specific random monsters. (laughs) (laughs) But I, uh, but my real hope is, is just that it's good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just see so much like that. Uh, the time period sees so much set up for me that it, you know, he's already done the gentleman to have some sort of gentlemanly villains. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's 
such a time period for gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I hope it's good. That's my hope. That's a right. wonderful hope. <laughs> <laughs> a universal hope. <laughs> universal <Yeah>. hope. <laughs> I think for me, I normally go into any any shows or movies with minimal expectations because I just want it to, you know, to show me what it wants to show me and I'll think about it afterwards, you know. And But for Joss Whedon, because he truly has never let me down. You know, I've read comics that he's done. I've watched literally everything. And I'm not even big into superhero movies, but when I heard that, you know, he was doing the Avengers, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he's a super nerd. This is going to be fantastic. And, I mean, it's one of the favorite, my favorite movies that, I've seen from that universe. It was well done. And I I could tell that there was Joss Whedon in it, you know, so I loved that. So my only expectation is that it's going to be the same Joss Whedon, like style and caliber of work. Oh, yeah. With totally. there's going to be some wonderful comedy that, you know, you know, his comedy makes me laugh still. I watch Buffy episodes now and I'm still laughing. You know, I love his sense of humor, his wholesome sense of humor. And he always has elements. He's not afraid to, you know, touch on, let's say, quote unquote, taboo subject matter in movies or well, usually he can shine in his TV shows for sure. So I'm just expecting him you know, to have the humor, touch upon important themes. And I know it's going to be set in Victorian times, but it's also sci-fi. So I think him incorporating current issues, social issues and problems into his show, I think he's really great at doing that. So I expect him to have humor, yeah, um, elements of, you know, current social issues, women's issues, and having strong feminist themes, because that are all the things that he really is good at. And of course, great storytelling. That I am not worried about. But my main expectations are those three things. I should. We should just expect them. <laughs> what I love about what both of you have said is that I feel like that's 100% guaranteed, which is really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe I'm like, or maybe I'm like way too excited. But like, for you guys, the hopes versus ex- expectations, I feel like are the same. I don't think you should hope for those things. I feel like I I feel like they're going to be in it. Yeah, honestly, and, and again, maybe I'm way too naive, but <laughs> no, I 100% think those are my own, my three expectations. My hope is that everything just like, like Dennis said. I hope it's good, but I hope that combining all those things with these with actors and these writers and the cinematography and putting everything together creates just this wonderful I don't like the word masterpiece but like this wonderful beautiful epic intense fun show yeah I love that uh in terms of very specific since you were talking about weapons and weapons they might wield it would be cool if Buffy's uh weapon just showed up in the background somewhere you know some like (laughs) easter eggs yes like a little bit of an homage (laughs) Uh, or or Frey shows up yeah. Yes. <laughs> what if there's yeah, just like Slayers <laughs> running around back then yes. too? Yes. You know? I don't know. Yep. Or they come across a Slayer. Oh my god. That'd yeah, be they so wouldn't cool. even have to identify it as a Slayer. Just like, wow, this lady's super strong and is punching the vampire really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh, see, now this is a hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that might not happen, but I love it. Yeah, I think it's not an expectation, but a hope is I. I personally adore the reusing of Whedonverse actors because they're fantastic. Yes. Yes. So I'm hoping that we see some familiar faces because I don't I don't at all know this woman that they've cast for the lead role. So I'm hoping that I see some familiar faces because I love the actors he's used. So that's my hope. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I feel like he loves doing that. You know, yeah. he loves like reusing certain actors. So I feel feel like there has to be some weed and alum in there. That's my hope. Just little Easter eggs. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not (laughs) expecting it because I don't think that's a fair expectation, but that's, that's my one main hope. I love that. I think for me, and again, I could spend five hours on this topic, so I'll keep it super short to one thing. I still think the storytelling in Buffy and in all of his shows is still groundbreaking, is still unique, is still so ahead of its time. Like, I personally think television nowadays still doesn't touch what Buffy did. So 
if Joss was so ahead of his time back then for Buffy, I hope the Nevers feels like that for the future of television. Like, I want him to keep pushing the television medium. That is a very huge expectation or hope. But but I think if anyone could do it, it's Joss. And I don't even care if that takes until like the second or third season. Like I'm not necessarily saying, oh, that has to be in the first season. I just hope eventually, A, eventually it has more than one season. But I also hope it this show does that. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm at work or I'm hanging out with friends that bring other friends that I don't know. And like they don't know who Joss Whedon is or like they've never seen any of his TV shows. And I want the Nevers to be the one thing that this modern audience, like everyone has seen besides the Avengers, obviously. So, so that, that way I don't have to describe who Joss Whedon is or like, I don't have to try to convince people, Hey, you should really watch Buffy. You know, like (laughs) I want this to be so good. Everyone has to go watch Buffy immediately after, you know, And, and that's huge, but yeah, no, I love that. It'll be like Buffy, Buffy for the 21st, I want to say 21st century, but you know what I mean? Like I want Buffy yeah. for, you know, the 2019, 2020, I guess it's coming out 2020, but like the 2020s. And I think Buffy that for is, the twenties. Yes. <laughs> I think that is a beautiful, wonderful thing that you, that you said, you're right. Because some people know they, everybody knows the Avengers, but they don't know that Joss Whedon wrote that movie and directed that movie. That's not what they think of. They don't care. It's like, oh, the Avengers movie. Right, exactly. exactly. I went in and I saw his name on it. It's like written by. And I was like <gasps> screaming because I was so happy and proud. But like people don't really know, you know. So I think that is a wonderful thing. And I also, now that you brought that up, hope that is a thing that happens. And it's kind of like the gateway into the Whedonverse. Yeah, that sounds great. Yes. Yes. God, can you imagine if like. If like Buffy's like, well, I personally think the Buffy fandom is huge still and in a weird way is mainstream. But could you imagine if it blew up like times 100? That would be insane. Completely in a most wonderful way. Yeah. I like these. These like, I hope it's groundbreaking in a way I've never seen before. I hope this show just blows my mind. No pressure. Uh, (laughs) I know. (laughs) I really like one-off episodes. I think I tend to like those more than long-form storytelling. And I know the show only has 10 episodes, right? 10 episodes to do a story. Yes, I believe so, yes. I really hope somewhere in the middle of the season there's just a one-off episode. Those tend to be my favorite. I get kind of frustrated with long-form storytelling just because it's like one episode bleeds into the next. You can never really specifically define a favorite episode, you know? Right. And I think Whedon's best episodes have been those kind of weird one-offs instead of like the overall arc story. So I kind of hope there's something like that. Oh my God, that is such a good point. I've never thought of it like that. (laughs) That his best episodes are one-offs. My mind is like blown right now. (laughs) (laughs) They can definitely sometimes be the best. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. Because I I actually prefer his one-offs aren't filler episodes at all. But but I I do prefer like serialized like this episode leads to the other one. But you're so right. Like the body is a one off in a way, and it's like one of the best things I'll ever see. So you're so right. Oh, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously he's very good at those. So I definitely think I know we only have ten episodes, but knowing him and knowing Jane and Douglas and what the awesome other uh, writers in the writers' room, I feel like there has to be at least one. Yeah, just some vignette, you, you know? know, some little vignette of something weird. Something weird, and, and I'm sure that specific episode will make us fall in love with the characters even more, you know? Yeah. All right, that was a great topic, and I'm sure we'll we'll keep talking about that as this podcast goes on. So our last little segment here are the listener-submitted letters. And these are always a lot of fun because our listeners are very smart, obviously. So... Now it's time to check in with all of those. I love that you guys are getting letters already. I know. It's so exciting. (laughs) So cool. So let's open up the Nevers mailbox. If you have a question or a comment for us about the Nevers or anything Whedon related, write it in a letter and email it to us at theneverspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to read it on an upcoming episode or feel free to tweet us. Remember, it's at HBO The Nevers. So our first letter today comes from Jordan Foons. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing names. That's what I do. And Jordan writes, we don't know very much about the show, but we know that it's an HBO show done by Joss Whedon. What do you think the show's chances are for winning an Emmy? 
Great question. Very low. It'll just get a makeup <laughs> Emmy in season two, and that's it. <laughs> so specific. I don't normally watch. <laughs> I don't normally watch a lot of things that win any awards whatsoever. So I don't really have much to say on that. I, I have no idea whatsoever. I'm sorry. Yay, loving things that don't win awards. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I. It's really weird. I'm not a TV person. I feel like the only TV I've watched is Joss Whedon, in a way, and the BBC Sherlock, and that's it. However, one of the very first things, for some reason, that I thought of when it was announced that HBO was producing The Nevers is, Joss Whedon needs to win an Emmy for television. Like, it needs to have happened for decades. So, I personally think with the caliber of the cast and crew, I definitely think it's going to be a front runner. Like there's no way, like at the very least for writing, but I also think there's no way it can't be for everything. Because if Game of Thrones did, and sorry for any Game of Thrones fans out there, but I hopefully think the Nevers will be better, then I don't see how the Nevers wouldn't be nominated for Emmys and win them. But I'm very biased, so. Yep. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it does feel like they're setting this up to be prestige TV, so. Yeah, yeah. The the prestige needs to win awards, but yeah, I just knowing Joss Whedon's history of being skipped a lot, I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to break streaks like that. I know. This is his time to shine. It is, <laughs> finally. <laughs> great, great question, Jordan. And again, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future as well. <laughs> Our next letter is from Victor on Twitter, and he writes, Do you think HBO and Joss are planning a surprise appearance at this year's Comic-Con with the cast, and that's why there haven't been any more cast announcements since Laura Donnelly's last month? I would die. I am going to San Diego Comic-Con, and I believe you are too, right, Dennis? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be working the Peanuts booth, so I'm looking forward to being there. I did look through. That is super cool. And I'm totally going to visit. Awesome. Yeah. We should <laughs> uh, plan to meet in real life. Yes. Uh, I did look through all the, the panels got announced just recently for Comic-Con. And I did look through them yesterday. And I didn't see anything about the Nevers. But it wouldn't be a surprise if it was announced. <laughs> Uh, I feel like since they're filming, I mean, a lot of casts have, while they're filming, like, flown in for the weekend, so that's not necessarily an excuse, but I feel like since they just started filming, I don't know if they would, not waste time, it's definitely not a waste of time, but there's no just HBO panel, like, announcing everything that's coming up, so because of that, I don't personally think there'll be a panel, I would die of happiness, but... In a weird way, I'd rather them keep filming and then hopefully next year, once they have footage and things to promote, that there'll be like some epic panel. Yeah. That's that's my hopes. Obviously, I'd love it for both years, but I personally don't see it. Yeah. The, on, the only Jess Whedon panels I saw were one was about a Firefly cookbook and the other was about, I think, another, another Firefly one. So it's still going strong at Comic-Con. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you there uh, last year that you were doing like a Buffy scavenger hunt? Yes, I I tried, but the line... So basically the scavenger hunt was like, they would give you clues and you would have to try to figure out which booth to go to to get the next clue in a way. Yeah. By the time I tried to do it, the lines for the booths were so long because there's so many people doing it, which was amazing. I was like, yay, Buffy fandom is still going strong. But that meant that like I didn't have the time to finish it. So I was like, huh, I guess I'll try it again another time. Hopefully they'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, did you try to do it? <laughs> uh, no, I couldn't because of my work schedule. But I did just randomly run across one of the clues. And the person, because there was some, I forget what it was. There was somebody dressed as a vampire that I just walked past. And I was like, that's a Buffy vampire. Nice. So I, they I, they told me I couldn't do it unless I was part of the scavenger hunt. And I was like, well, can't you just give, it's just a sticker or something. Can't you just give that to me? And they did, which was nice. Oh my God, yes. Uh, <laughs> And I did get my picture taken with um, a Buffy cosplayer from uh, dressed from um, Prophecy Girl. So it was like very nice, you know. yay! <laughs> San Diego Comic Con's the best. I so I'm actually going to pass out little business cards for our podcast that I recently ordered. Fantastic, so, thank you, listeners. If any of you are going to San Diego Comic Con, I will hopefully find you, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll pass out these business cards. And if you take a picture with it, a selfie, or I can take a picture, we will tweet that photo on our Twitter. 
Ah, nice. So, uh, yeah, little plug for that. That's coming up soon. Cool. So thank you for your letter, Victor. We're calling them letters instead of questions because it's Victorian era. Um, <laughs> so we have two letters left. Uh, third letter is from Sarah V, who wrote, The Nevers is about a group of superpowered women being hunted by relentless enemies. This group of women are probably the protagonists of the show. Do you think the antagonists will then be men? Or will just do something that few seem to be interested in doing and have the antagonists also be women, like I'm hoping for, or maybe a mixture? I absolutely love this question. I think we briefly talked about it in a- another episode that Tag and I recorded. What are your guys' thoughts on that? It sounds cool. Yeah, could have. This is a really specific hope, right? <laughs> right. I would not be upset if that happened. That sounds cool. I think it'd be highly predictable if they did, you know, females, the superpowers, and all of the bad guys are men. You know, I think that would be pretty predictable. I'd like a mixture, just like how it would be more in real life. Yeah. So I'd like to see everyone, because everyone can be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's just make it realistic. Yeah, no, I I love that. In a way, obviously, that's feminist, right? Because, like, if guys could be villains, so could women, you know? Yeah, So I exactly. totally love that and agree with that. <laughs> and I it, – it's weird because one of my favorite things about season six of Buffy is the fact that, obviously, Warren is the quintessential – toxic man in every way. Yes. Um, And I think that's very powerful, obviously, when the show features a female lead. So I guess my hope is I would still love if there's a big bad to be a man, but there definitely should be awesome female villains. Like, I love female villains. I definitely think, even though there has been more recently, I, I still think there's a lack of them and them being complex. Yeah. So I would definitely, obviously love female villains. One of my favorite recent ones was Hela in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Completely. <laughs> I was telling somebody recently that uh, Ragnarok's probably my favorite of the Marvel movies. And they're like, ah, uh, you just like it because of Kate Blanchett. And I was like, that's... Such a random thing to accuse me of. Yeah. <laughs> and also, why? Why? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a whole other tangent, but I, I love the Ragnarok as well. And I feel like it just feels so Joss Whedon-y. Like, in a weird way, it feels like Joss wrote it. And I know the screenwriter is a huge Joss Whedon fan. And, like, there's so many callbacks to, like, the first Avengers. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <sighs> okay. A final letter from D-Man. He has the best name. <laughs> D-Man. <laughs> if it's his real name. He's D-Man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, he writes, I've noticed that HBO shows have a tendency to come out every other year. Do you think the Nevers will follow this release schedule, i.e. season one coming in 2020 and season two in 2022? He writes, I hope not. Generally, for Whedon shows, the first season is good, but the second and third season are exponentially greater. That's a wonderful last question. Um, I'm not too familiar with HBO shows, but clearly it seems like they have a tendency every two years. What do you think, Dennis? Did Game of Thrones do that? Uh, Well, Game of Thrones had its own weird thing going on. I don't recall its exact schedule, but it was like, cause it would take like two years off and then come back with like ha- half season. Cause they were doing their own weird thing. Cause they can, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause they can. But uh, yeah, I think demand is right. That seems to be what they're doing with Westworld. So yeah, I, there's probably not a reason to expect them to break that. Like if that's how, I think one thing HBO does is it doesn't have one of its, it doesn't. It never has like two of its prestige shows airing at the same time, just because it's spreading those out and making it tougher for people who are paying for a subscription. They're like, ah, oh, I kind of wanted to cancel it, but this next thing's coming up. That's right. such a good point. <laughs> right. It's, that's interesting. No, I was also not aware of that being an HBO thing. I mean, if that ends up being the case, then 
that's unfortunate because it's a long, long, long time to wait. But if that is just how it is, that's how it is, you know, so. Right. Lots, lots of content to watch in between. <laughs> True. Yeah. This is us looking towards, well, in the future, but like, what are we even going to talk about for all of 2021? Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Buffy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it will turn into a Buffy podcast. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And that's really interesting how D-Man talked about how like the first season of Whedon shows are good, but usually the other seasons are better. Sorry, Firefly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, you know, we feel like Firefly is just like this complete anomaly of life. <laughs> it's very true because the first season's incredible. Um, yeah. Season two of Buffy is my favorite season for personal reasons, just because I love um, Angelus and Spike and Drusilla more than life itself. So by default, season two is my second. Wow. My favorite. But I, I feel like with the Nevers, I could be wrong. I feel like since Joss has so much experience and I feel like since the Buffy first season was like a pilot season, I feel like this first season of the Nevers will be just as good as like a second season of a Whedon show. Again, maybe I'm way too optimistic, but I don't know. (laughs) I I also think it'll come out pretty strong. That's my, my feeling. I think one of the reasons people really like tend to like the second and third seasons is because so much of the show of his shows are character driven and it does take a little while to like totally understand the characters. Right. So there's no real way to rush that necessarily. That is a great, great point. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and, and I love that just as that. Cause to me, the most important thing in storytelling is character. Like you could have the best plot and the best subplots and like, anything else but if you don't love the characters more than anything it's like pointless in my opinion yeah you know there needs to be some there needs to be that to to pull you back in exactly so i'd rather there have like a first season that's a little quote-unquote slower if it means that we'll get to know these characters you know Yeah, yeah for sure cool those were some awesome questions thank you guys so much for sending them into us and please keep them coming that'll do it for us today thank you guys so much for listening and being part of the nevers podcast community please remember to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any episodes when they go live and feel free to rate us on itunes as that will really help us grow our audience unless you absolutely hate us i'm just kidding um <laughs> you could <laughs> you can find us on hbothenevers.com and you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram just search at HBO The Nevers. And remember, you can always send us your comments, questions, concerns, anything at theneverspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read them on an upcoming episode. Before we officially wrap, is there anything else you two would like to add? Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I hope to come on again. (laughs) Um, I want to say that I am so beyond excited that Joss is getting a new TV show. It's long, long, long overdue. And I am really ready for this. I'm really, really excited for the show. Yay. And so am I. And I think we have an awesome podcast crew to uh, take you guys through this amazing journey that we're going to have. All right, Kelly and Dennis, where can people find you guys online? What are your Twitter names? Uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, at D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X, and that's also my dot com. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, Buffy Virgin, where our, t- our Twitter is Buffy Virgin Pod. And you can follow my Patreon, which is my full name, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N. That's Dennis St. John for my new horror comics. They're being printed right now just exclusively on there. I don't have a publisher for them yet, but you can see my older stuff online. If you search Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales, you can find my book from 2017. All right. Uh, Yeah. Thank you, guys. Great. So, again, my name is Kelly, and thank you for allowing me to be a co-host on this kind of, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but like the very first podcast or project seemingly related to the Nevers. So I'm really happy to be a part of that right now. It's amazing. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? We're on top of this. We're super pumped, super nerdy folks. So it's great. (laughs) I never said I was nerdy. (laughs) You don't have to say it. We know it's fine. Um, So uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at kgredner. That's my name. I'm also on Instagram uh, under Venal Anatomica, which is V-E-N-A-L underscore Anatomica. 
I also have a semi-academic bit of a feminist horror project called The Spinsters of Horror. And you can pretty much find us anywhere at Horror Spinsters or at Spinsters of Horror. We have a podcast, reviews, blog posts, and stuff like that. So I'm all over the place. So definitely feel free to follow them. And again, my name is Gina, and you can find me on Twitter. And my Twitter username is at Gina Gemini, but I spell Gemini G-E-M-E-N-I. So an E in the middle. My twin sister and I are the lead singers of our band called Gemini, so that's why my name is that way. And we also have Buffy-inspired songs. That's a whole other topic. Ooh, nice. But feel free, <laughs> feel free to follow me. And we also have written a um, Sherlockian novella that takes place in uh, Victorian London. It's actually in the uh, first-person point of view of James Moriarty. Uh, oh. Yeah, so as you can tell, I obviously love Victorian London. And again, all of us do, and it's very exciting. And... Thank you guys so much again for listening and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button.